Hello, it's Beth Kempton, author of Freedom Seeker and founder of Do What You Love. Welcome to the Freedom Seeker Chronicles. If you're new here, you can find out more about me and my work at bethkempton.com. The Freedom Seeker Chronicles is a place for brave stories, real inspiration, actionable advice, and great conversations. So many of us build lives that end up trapping us, chasing the kind of success that doesn't actually make us happy, until one day we eventually realize that enough is enough. We want to do things our way. We want to manifest our own happiness. We want to escape, make our own rules, and fly free. Because deep down we know it's in flying free that we fulfill our true potential and we really come alive. The Freedom Seeker Chronicles podcast is a regular dose of escape elixir to reignite that desire and light the way. I define freedom as the willingness and ability to choose your path and live life as your true self. In this podcast, the stories will inspire that willingness. And in my book, Freedom Seeker, you'll find all the tools you need for that ability. The rest is up to you. If you haven't yet read my book, you can get it from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all good independent bookstores. It's the perfect companion to this podcast. And if you've read it and you're here for more inspiring stories, welcome friend, you're in for a treat. So let's dive in. Nicola Moss was a self-described workaholic with a successful career in global advertising until the pace and pressure resulted in full-on burnout. A deep journey of inner healing and reconnection followed that, and now she runs her own coaching business to support busy people to slow down and breathe again through coaching, workshops and retreats in nature. I caught up with Nicola to find out more about how she has carved out a life living at a pace which suits her, and I think you're going to find it a breath of fresh air. Hi, Nicola. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi. So lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I can't wait to chat with you because there's so many amazing things that have happened in your life I know about and so many that I don't know about. And this is all about discovering really what makes you a freedom seeker. I know you're somebody who makes a lot of bold decisions based on what your heart tells you and I think we've all got a lot to learn from that so I wonder if we could begin by you painting a picture of your favorite day at work anytime in the last couple of weeks just to give us an idea of what your life looks like at the moment Mm. um I think probably one of my favorite working days uh in the last few weeks was actually when I was um on a farm in Umbria in Italy a place that's very dear to me um and I went there, for, spent two weeks there because I was running a retreat there called Decelerate to Accelerate. Um, but on the day when that started, actually, I spent the whole morning. I just woke up, got my cup of tea, walked outside, was standing barefoot in the grass and just had this view over the rolling hills of Umbria, just like breathing that fresh air to really have that really good fresh start to the day. And um from going on from that, um, I had some client coaching sessions, which I do online uh, on Skype. And um, I do that as I do move around quite a bit. That's been a way that I've set up my life that I can take my work with me. So I had then um, on that morning two client sessions um, and on Skype. And after a lovely lunch and a walk after lunch, then I welcomed a group of four people who came to join me 
for a four-day retreat, which was really beautiful. So it was a mixture of my my one-on-one client work and then the excitement of preparation of welcoming a new group to a place that's really special to me. And then starting, uh, yeah, a beautiful new retreat uh, for people that were in situations of feeling stuck and feeling disconnected. So we started that journey that we then um, went on for a few days after that. Yeah. Wow. What a, it, that must be amazing for them to kind of, I'm imagining somebody like getting on a, a plane at Heathrow, totally stressed out and then stepping mm. off the plane and however they get to your retreat centre in the middle of the hills. I've seen a beautiful picture of it. And then just kind of exhaling, I guess. Yeah. It's so beautiful to see the looks on people's faces when they arrive um, after the long trip to get there. Um, And just seeing the beauty of nature and the beautiful building that we're in and the community that lives there and being welcomed with, you know, good cup of tea and some snacks and just seeing people just starting to exhale, really starting to breathe out and breathe deeper like the longer that they're there like even within within moments you can already see that first shift of arriving to a quieter place uh, it's funny how sometimes we need to to do something quite well not extreme but a, a big thing like get on an airplane and go somewhere in order to remind ourselves to do something so simple and basic as breathe properly it's mm. crazy isn't it but we all do it yeah, we don't because we're so busy um, at home and in our lives that we forget to take that time to breathe at home in daily life. And it's something that we need to survive, but we do, we forget when we're just in that hustle and bustle of daily routine. Well, I want to talk to you a bit more about the kind of coaching you do because I'm fascinated the strong connections that you have with nature. But before that, I'd like to just understand a bit about how you have come to be doing what you're doing I know that your life is quite different now to 10 15 Mm. years ago when you were in Mm. a corporate job and Mm. very stressed yourself maybe you can tell us a bit about that and and what was the trigger for you to change the way that you live your daily life Mm, yeah so so the, the coaching I do is very much um giving space to really slow down um, and re- and really breathe because I've got this feeling of what happens is, and it's a phenomenon that I can't really explain yet, but I'm sure it's a feeling that, that you might know, is that you've got the feeling that like life is just rushing past and you're busy all the time, like your to-do list is huge. Um, you've got everyone wanting you to do all different things for them, whether it's at work and then people just coming in just before the end of the day, can you please do this and stay on? And then you've got friends and family and so many obligations and everything just seems to be really rushing. And like you see, I can't believe how quickly the years are passing, but at the same time you feel so stuck and as if time isn't moving. And it's this feeling of I'm not moving but I've also got no control over my time, which seems con- they contradict each other, these things, but um, but somehow they go hand in hand. It's almost like being sat in a car on a motorway, so you're not actually moving within the seat, but everything is rushing past yeah. you outside. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just see everything rushing past and you just sit there and just like feel so stuck and so helpless at the same time. Like, Yeah, yeah especially if there's no... Um, slip road off the motorway that you're traveling down at that point in time yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you were helping people yeah. see the slip roads basically yeah and really seeing um 
taking that time to slow down to actually slow down yourself before actually life slows down for you before you hit that wall before um yeah before life pulls the plug for you um it's it's learning to really reconnect and have that space to then slow down and to lead a healthier lifestyle mentally and physically can mm. you share what you know about that having mm. gone through that moment going through that moment actually that the example that you raised of then the car is actually really um that really uh, resonates. It just reminds us immediately that I, I feel, you know, the feeling coming up right now at this moment when I was at work or going into work one morning um, and literally couldn't walk through the door. So I was walking up to the door, to the office door, and I was standing there and literally everything cramped and I couldn't go in. It was this feeling that I can't breathe, I can't go in, I don't know what I'm doing here, what am I doing with my life? If I go in there, then I... I'm just it was just soul destroying I had no I had nothing to say in my daily life is the feeling that I had it was um oof, yeah when I think about it now it still takes my breath away it's although this situation is 12 years ago it's something that just does come up again and again it's that feeling of what am I doing with my life I'm I don't even know who I am and I've the only identity I really feel right now is the name on my business card. And that's just literally my name and a title, whatever the title was at the time, I can't remember. So it can't have been that important. But um, yeah, there's just no connection to myself and no joy, no nothing. And it's literally, I literally couldn't breathe. I just spent the night before with the most, the worst headache I'd ever had. And I actually kneeling on my bed and banging my head against the wall, thinking I could dislodge that pain that was there physically in my head, but also mentally. Like, yeah, yeah, the mental pain that was there, but was really showing itself physically so strongly. My body was just shouting at me to stop, and I didn't want to accept the signs. I just They were just annoying me. So like there the have signs. been signs for a while, had they? Hmm. Oh, for a good year and a half. Looking back, now I can see that it was a good year and a half. At the time, it was... It started off with feeling really tired, then getting agitated, um, getting forgetful. I went shopping, food shopping, came back home and had that, I forgot why I even went out till I realized, oh, there's nothing in my fridge. Like, oh, one moment, I went to the supermarket, so I had to walk back to the supermarket to get my bags of food. So I was literally, I was in a parallel world. Like it was um, something that also a picture that I often see for myself that I felt like a puppet and someone else was, um, uh, how do you call it like controlling the strings mm. and it was like actually moving me and manoeuvring me like I had no control over anything so it was that pure loss of control as well is the feeling that I it's so interesting what you said that um, you felt like you had nothing to say about your own life and mm. I, I totally get that in that you're when you're really busy and you're doing all this stuff and then someone's like so what's been going on with you and you don't actually have anything to say other no. than you've just basically been working and you kind of, you know, what you don't even know really what you're working for, you're just working hard yeah. and then going home, eating, sleeping, getting up, doing some more work. <laughs> yeah. Work, yeah, working hard for doing something that was okay. It wasn't great. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it. I didn't really believe in what I was doing, but I liked the people that I was working with, you know, as a 
bit of a bonus. We could always party really well after like late nights and the weekends. So that, but that just did that didn't help either because it wasn't um, a healthy lifestyle I was leading. Um, but yeah, no, I felt I had no control. I felt I had no voice. I just got down to it and just thought like, no, you know, this is, this is apparently what it's like. You know, you pick a job, you make a decision and you stick to it. Um, Sometimes I think that's the hardest thing that if you're in a situation like that, it, it is your own decisions that have got you there. And it's your own decisions or lack of decisions that is keeping you there. Right. But the, yeah. the great thing about that is, is that you can also make the decision to not be there mm anymore Mm. but it's interesting how long it often takes us to make Mm. that choice and sometimes I I wonder if it's because we don't want to admit that we made uh whether it's a bad choice or a wrong choice or something because Mm. we put ourselves in that situation but Mm. that's not the point then Mm. is it the point is what to do now what to do now and I mean I remember one major thing at the time was was also well I can't just change my mind you know you make a decision you stick to it um but circumstances change, and we're allowed to change our minds. But that's something that took me a really, really long time to learn. Uh, really long time to learn. So, what did um, you do? So, what happened then was that uh, on that morning, uh, when I had the, that panic attack, which lasted for—I um, don't actually have a good feel for time how much it was—but I ended up calling my boss, saying I was going to be in work late, and we had a really long conversation. We sat in a cafe for hours and spoke about it and I made the decision not to go back into work and I didn't for 10 months actually. Um, So what I needed to do at first was sleep. Um, It was really the first thing I did was um, I actually went back to my parents' place because I knew that was one place that I could go where I had no responsibility myself. Um, so that I went there and I just slept and was nurtured and cooked for and, um, just, yeah, had time and space. And then I started going back out into the woods a lot, a place where I, um, spent all my childhood, um, with my brothers and we were always out there building tree houses and drawing maps of the woods. And, um, we always, um, we always thought that we were part of the book, The Enchanted Wood by Inna Blyton. <laughs> That's my one of my favourite books of all time. Yeah, we always, we thought we were part of it, and we'd always look at the trees, and when we hear if we heard the leaves rustling, we'd be like, "Oh, what do you think they're saying?" And we can't understand. You know, if we listen carefully, can we learn the language? And so, for going back home, now, I mean, at that time I was nearly thirty, and so I hadn't been into those woods. I'd been in like for a brief walk at Christmas time or whatever when I was back home visiting, but not really spent time there. Um, and that's when I was really had this moment that I was really quite shocked sitting there thinking like, they don't recognize me anymore. The trees don't recognize me. I don't recognize me. Um, and it was what that moment where I realized that how much I'd missed that connection to being outdoors and really like feeling, feeling mother earth, feeling the fresh air, feeling the breeze, hearing the leaves. Um, and just, taking a step back and looking at what, well, look what nature does, like look at the seasons, they come and they go. Um, uh, we let go in autumn and then we hibernate and then spring comes and there's time and space for the new. And then, and, and it goes on and on and on. And like letting go is nothing. We just let go of what you don't need anymore. What the, that's what nature does. And that's what then I started seeing what that meant for me. Um, what does that look like for me? What would my life look like if I were a tree? Um, Oh my goodness, what an amazing question. 
yeah. what kind of tree would you be? What kind of tree? I'm my very own tree. I'm not sure what kind of tree it is yet, <laughs> but it's one now that's like the roots are growing. Like I'm, I'm starting to understand my roots, like and not just feeling like a plant in a plant pot that's just moved around, but actually has the ability to really grow roots and understand where I'm from and understand um, where I am now and how I got to where I am now. And at that, I can only do by by looking back. Um, I love that your surname is Moss. I know. How perfect is that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's that's gorgeous. So um, how long did it take you to get from that moment when oh, the trees don't recognise me and this is really important to me and I have to figure out how to remind them who I am to mm. leading retreats in nature. Was that a big transition? That, that was a long transition, a very slow transition. Um, it's something that I realised that I wanted to be part of my life. So what I did after that was I, I went travelling then for um, about six or seven months. And what I did was, because I, I still had that feeling that I needed space to find out what my own natural rhythm is and that I was I was really afraid of going back into work and then just being back in that same rut and then losing that connection that was only just starting to rebuild again um so I went traveling and I chose to travel very very slowly well I don't think I could travel fast even if I wanted to because it's just not me I figured out so it was very slowly but I did things like I was in Laos and then I lived in a tree for just over a week and we were slept up there we ate up there we could only move from tree to tree by zip lines um weren't allowed to walk down on the ground unless one of the local um, guys came along because we didn't want to disturb the animals and their life down there which was just incredible being like 40 meters up and waking up and just having that view over the jungle um and and it's that listening again like what are the sounds that we hear we don't listen we don't hear nature anymore we don't hear what's happening around us um and there's just so much that reflects as well that I notice in day-to-day life um and another thing I then chose to do uh, after that was also that I went on a long sailing trip which was sailing from Mexico to Honolulu across the Pacific um as a crew member and that was just also one of those things that I just learned from nature is like well, we can be on a boat and we like a storm can come like, or the wind's gone, but we can't, we, there's things that we can't change in life that are just there. And, but we can decide how we deal with the situation. We can decide how to set our sails to move and maneuver through the storm or to how long do we stay in it to stay safe, to understand it and then move forward. Um, so yeah, there's loads of <laughs> analogies to nature. <laughs> um, and the different forms of nature, yeah. um, the way that I start to understand myself and understand life in general. And do you see yourself as a forest person, a mountain person, an ocean person? A bit of all, um, a bit of all, because I love the ocean. I love, uh, I love the ocean. There's something very special being out there, um, a sense of freedom that I've rarely felt. But then I do feel again when I do feel I'm outside and barefoot and really like feel the earth under my feet um I remember, really that really grounded I remember yeah. when you um spoke at the launch of Freedom Seeker you were amazing and you were talking about um how you love to work barefoot and also how you love to work slowly and you said it in an almost apologetic way when I heard it I was like oh my goodness that's yeah. firstly that's brilliant and I want to 
declare mm. out loud, I want to work slowly. And secondly, mm. that's a tiny, tiny piece of information that if you tell somebody that you're working with or for, it makes a massive difference to mm. their expectations of you. Like if you can help people understand your natural pace of working, and obviously you need to understand that first before mm. you can communicate it to anybody else, then I I can only imagine that that the expectation shifts, that it starts to shift. Obviously, some people are incredibly demanding and maybe they're not the right person to be working with. But having that conversation, just saying that out loud is, you know what, I work best when I take my time. Mm. It might not be suited for all kinds of work, but if that's how you want to work and that's how you get the best out of yourself, then that's a really important thing to recognise, isn't it? Mm, very important to recognise. And it's that's been one of my biggest struggles, even accepting or allowing myself to work slowly in certain areas of my work. Um, I do have this dynamic of being very slow at times and then literally I'll just take off and everything falls into place and I get stuff done really, really quickly. Um, but there's, but some things just need more time. Um, and one thing that I've really changed, which has made a huge difference, um, is to stop multitasking, which... I used to be proud of what I felt like the world's best multitasker <laughs> when I was still working in in my advertising agency life. Um, I, had, I had to multitask um, to get everything done, and I was convinced that the output was spot on and hundred percent all the time. And looking back, it can't be. Um, I believe very much that we can switch very quickly between tasks, but we can't do them in parallel, like literally being on the phone, writing an email at the same time, and then trying to communicate with someone just by sign language through the office. Um, because we just get things muddled up and don't focus and don't listen to who we're talking to, where they're not communicating what we're trying to say in the email we're trying to write. Um, so I do believe we can switch quickly between tasks, so that speed is possible, but not doing things in parallel. Yeah. It's, it, that shutting down more like not only having one window open at once on the internet was like a massive revelation for me Just, yeah. you know how you get distracted and you go down one route and then you're checking something else and you, yeah like you said you've forgotten what you said or you send the wrong email to the wrong person or your poor brain cannot simply handle five channels of information at once some of no. them input some of them output I mean it's just it's just not possible. It's a sophisticated machine but we should you know it's better to use it channeled to do single amazing things definitely yeah 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 That's and then they don't take as long either it's surprising how quickly then we do get things done if if each individual element gets its gets my full attention absolutely um, so i think like oh, it's going to take me two hours because sometimes you're done in 15 minutes um <laughs> So how about the the money question? Because I think for people freelancing, you know, if they've made a shift from a career and say somebody is like you and decided that they want to, you know, respect the their natural pace of working um, mm. and they're kind of exploring a new way of making money, um, often there's a lot of pressure to make money quickly, whether that's because they have bills to pay, there's like a practical pressure, or whether that's because there's it's just ingrained that you have to make a certain amount of money or if you if you're not if you're not doing x by six months in then mm. it's failing and that's not good for your confidence or whatever it is there's I think when you I find if when I slow down although I absolutely do my best work when I slow down and in the long run I know it's always better the, it's almost like the more I slow down the more the money chat gets louder 
sometimes mm. and I think as you know as you build a business and you have people's salaries you have to pay and different kinds mm. of pressures is definitely something that um mm. that is is a reality and so any thoughts that you've got on that mm. I'd be personally mm. grateful for and I think others would would love to oh, hear money, money chat is huge and it's something that comes and goes and I still get even today even these not today specifically but these days um and it does happen because we go through phases and then we do have bills to pay and we do live in the world we live in in the western world and um and what I did during my transition was I I, so I moved first of all from a uh, full-time work being fully employed to working freelance and that helped as a first step of that I was doing something that I could do and was known well for within the industry and then sold my own time and did that and then decided that I would do that 10 months a year and then two months of the year I would take time off just for myself to do my to go traveling just be other places do courses that I was that I was interested in so that was all ready to do with coaching and any form of personal development and doing everything that I felt that I couldn't do when working even freelance but that was bringing good money in and at the same time I was saving uh, money as well um but at some point when I realized okay just but two months of two months of feeling free and being happy isn't enough (laughs) yeah it was like okay it's a really really good start it's so much better than previously but it's still not sustainable um so that's when I then slowly made that shift um then to well I tried to make the shift alone again and again and again but what I noticed was there are things that we can't do alone so what really helped me was going doing some of the courses that I did and getting to know people that are in the similar kind of situation so one thing I did was I attended went to a like a startup camp by Tribe Wanted in Bali which was people that are transitioning into new jobs starting their own businesses or making shifts in their life in some form work-wise and we would spend time working together, listening to each other, supporting each other. And that was the first time that I realized that there are communities out there that you can actually find people that you can connect with that understand what you're going through and you can, you're building your own support network. Um, Cause that's one thing of having financial, like supporting yourself financially or having your savings or how one deals with that, but then also getting the support from family or friends is also, um, was also, uh, yeah, a struggle at times or frustrating for me because I knew what I knew. I felt I knew that everything I was doing made sense to me, but it didn't make sense to others. And they'd be skeptical and think like, oh, well, when's this phase going to be over now? You know, you're having a bit of a midlife crisis, you know, traveling, going like, <laughs> when are you going to settle? I was like, no, this is my path. This is my way to finding my way. And it was and it and it was just people that are in a different mindset and a different place in their lives that they didn't feel comfortable with me changing maybe because they were reflecting on their own lives I think that's a massive thing I think often when we do something that's like bold and kind of exciting and challenging for other people Mm -hmm. um, it really makes them look at themselves as well and and Actually, it's not always a comfortable conversation for them because maybe they'd love to be on that boat or in that tree or freelancing, yeah. doing something that they really love to do. And they're also, you know, and they have they have fears for their relationship with you, and they have fears about how it's going to work out for you. Like, what if it does yeah. fail, and they don't want you to be yeah. sad or 
homeless or what you know people think in extremes i think um they always think it's tendencies to go to the worst case scenario um Mm. and part of that is love and part of that is incredibly obstructive um so i think like you say having um a community of people who are doing the same thing some you know who who don't shout down your crazy ideas you know maybe they they give you constructive feedback but they start from a place of that's interesting rather than what you're thinking because I mean, I know that I'm the biggest critic anyway. So even if then my friends would then be say would it was saying things and like saying, well, you can't do this. But I thought I'd thought of all of that, and actually, what I needed was exactly the opposite. I didn't need someone to tell me what I was already, you know, fearing myself. It was that other lift of like, no, look, there's possibility, there is opportunity. Um, and yeah and I think so, it's interesting because yeah. we started out talk, talking from a financial perspective one thing we don't really talk about much is that there are also an awful lot of income generating opportunities within a big strong community you know you mm. might you might realize that you have things to provide so you can serve people who are in your community or you might find an amazing collaboration opportunity within your okay. community yeah, I've actually found many. I think one of the ones that was most exciting at the beginning also was when I went to the, do the um, this startup camp. I met various people and then, because I just thought, okay, well, how can I use my skills that I already have, the skills that I like, that I have, <laughs> um, as well as link it to travel and connection to people and supporting people on their path. Um and then I was asked whether I would be interested in um, running a project which was building, for instance, um, a new eco-community on a tiny island in Papua New Guinea. And at first I was just like, yes, of course, adventure. And then it was like, okay, and I got to build the website for it. Then I got to recruit people for it. Um, so I was doing all the marketing of it. Then it was welcoming 10 people to an island for a month with no electricity and no water and guiding people through that transition of out of the busy lifestyle we are then to a completely different place um presumably a place that you also didn't know presumably a place that you also didn't know no i didn't know either i didn't know the place either so i was going through that same i'd just been through it like two weeks previously because i just flew out a bit earlier and then connecting with the local community learning from people who don't have electricity or water how much we can learn from them as well and that was a lot to do with the pace of life, like, like the slow pace and the pressure that we put ourselves under, um, just to let go of that. So that was, for instance, an opportunity that would never have arisen had I not joined the one community and then a whole new one started. And then that again, you meet people and then there's another opportunity. And what, the path unfolds in ways that we can't even paint that picture up front. So true. Like um, often when you look back, you can see all the connections, can't you? But you just couldn't yeah. paint it going yeah. forwards. And I th- also because you have all those decision-making opportunities along the way. So the potential path forward is is a whole mm. network of potential paths, yeah. isn't it? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where do Absolutely. I sign up for Papua New Guinea? Are you going back? <laughs> no plans at the moment, but it's a beautiful place and it was an, it's an amazing project. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, sounds wonderful. So I'm really fascinated about the kind of people who come on your retreats. Um, mm. What I can imagine why it's really appealing, um, mm. you know, just reading the descriptions and looking at the photos and you're like, oh, yes, mm. please. <laughs> what kind of resistance do people have when you start actually doing the work on your retreats? Mm-hmm. Um the resistance often is it's easy for other people, but it's not for me. Um, feeling so stuck that they don't see 
opportunity, um, but don't see opportunity often because they don't have the space to. I think they're often really surprised about how much one can actually reconnect with oneself, what's there and what opportunity is available when one actually takes just a few days time to, um, to connect with that. So it's very often like I need to make a change, but I have no idea what to do. All I know is that something has to change. So that first step of awareness has already taken place of I have to do something somehow. So that's literally how they then arrive. Um, like I need to change, but life can't carry on like this. And I think one of the most common senses is like, I think I'm having a midlife crisis. And that said, whether they're 25 or mid 40s, like it doesn't, <laughs> I think I'm having a midlife crisis. I'd much rather um, it be towards the end. I'm like, you know, about 50, I'm planning to have a midlife crisis because I don't plan to be halfway through my life until I'm 50. Um, and so- I'm feeling as well at the same time, they feel they can't speak to everyone around them because they yeah. feel they should be thankful for the lives they have. Um, that they, they, there's a lot of guilt around feeling that maybe they're not grateful for the lives that they've created for themselves and the families they have, the jobs they have, um, or the paths that they've chosen, um, and just don't feel fulfilled. Yeah. So, what just for if anyone listening is in that mm-hmm. situation? Um, I mean, we talk a lot about this in Freedom Seeker, and I definitely encourage them to read that. But from your point of view, what what is the first step, do you think, for somebody who knows that something needs to change, but they just have no idea what to do? Mm. I think before we start looking at how to move forward and where to go, we've got to understand where we are now and how we got to where we are. Um, So it's about reflecting, looking back at what's, what's been amazing in my life, what's been really difficult or sad or frustrating and why and what's what was missing when in the difficult times and what was present in the positive times. So taking that step to look back to see, are there any patterns and what, and what have I done to get to where I am? Um, and it's incredible how we often don't realize how much we've done in our lives and how much we can be proud of. And then looking back and then realizing, actually, it's not as negative as I thought, or maybe how negative things were, but what followed from what and what can, how can I interact with situations that I can't change? Because we all have different traumas and things that happen to us throughout our lives. Um, and there are things that will happen in future. And we can't, we can't control that. Well, I wish we could, but we can't. <laughs> um, but it's also about like, how can we, how can we, change perspective how can we deal with that what choices can we make to deal with um difficult situations and how can we literally set ourselves free within Mm. so to understand where we want to go i feel we need to understand where we are right now and how we got to where we are right now Mm. um and that happens by slowing down there's no quick fix to that yeah um we don't need to slow down for months not even weeks but just starting to get those slots in even in a busy daily life like even now during the day I will every day make sure that I go out that I go for a walk that I get to even if when I'm in the city and I'm in the city at the moment make sure I get out and see green space and hear listen to the birds what because there's a, a, a lot more nature in the city than one actually expects as well and it's a lot of reconnecting to nature understanding the rhythm of nature and how that reflects and how it's all interconnected with us in our lives as well. Can you um, 
give us take us with you maybe on a little walk and just give us a few things to think about um, next time we're in a green space, which I hope will be today for anyone mm-hmm. listening, because today's as good a day as any to get outside and just um, share a couple of things that you would say to us if we were together with you in the woods, perhaps or in a park. Mm. So especially as, um, and when I, even if it's in a park um, in the city or in the woods, what I like to do, what I love to do, actually, even if it's really cold, is take my shoes and socks off and just really feel the ground under my feet um, and just feel, just just start to feel what is it that I feel? Um, is it, you know, is it a warm, is it, is it, does it feel warm? Is it cold? Is it damp? What is it that the, the earth around us, even just touching a tree, I don't mean now going around hugging trees if you want to, you can, but just even just touching, getting that and just feeling what, what does the bark feel like? Um, and being still and just closing your eyes and listening, what can you hear? Because when you close your eyes and shut your eyes, even in the city, even when you can't see many trees or any trees around, you'll be surprised how much you can still hear that's connected to nature. Um, something that I find really calming always is just to have a look up at the sky, look at the clouds. Um, are they moving? Are they not? Look at the shapes of them. Uh, just follow them for a while. and just sink into that um it's little things like that that um are really really helpful or if you find a leaf just pick it up feel the texture look at it and see the veins that go through it and what does the leaf look like um it's it's mindfulness isn't it it's it's just being completely present so that everything else just fades away for that Mm -hmm. moment which is so good Mm -hmm. for you Mm. yeah and even if it's just a few minutes every day when it's not possible otherwise and otherwise if, if you have the opportunity then spend as much time as possible outside and just soak up the fresh air and just get that movement through the body get some fresh air into your lungs and into your whole body um because otherwise you just do feel sluggish lying around on the couch and as much as i love to do that as well um <laughs> definitely um and there's times for that as well absolutely um but there's also times just to get out and especially in those moments when you feel you don't have the time because you're so busy and the moments when you feel that you've got more important things to do those are the moments when it's most important those are the moments when it's most important to get out there absolutely so as a final um question i'd love to ask your your retreats are called um accelerate uh, sorry decelerate to accelerate which is absolutely the right way around don't speed up in order to slow down because that's called burnout (laughs) (laughs) i did the first first way around first and decided to switch around yes so it's really interesting so you're you're not really talking about slow living generally although you know i think there's many aspects of slow living which is very much about how you live your life but in terms of what you're teaching it's about just slowing down for a while in order to become mm. the the best prepared mm. version of yourself to go and do whatever it is that you really want to do is that right yeah yeah and what you really want to do doesn't have to be fast so it doesn't then mean that you then go off and you accelerate and then you forget everything again it's just like it's learning about what is my own natural rhythm what do i need how can i find space in everyday life to just be myself my authentic self following my own path and not jumping through other people's hoops um, all the time then um yeah 
So it is really finding your own path and following it your way and um, being, yeah, true to yourself. You've given us so much food for thought. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nicola. I hope to meet you in a wood somewhere soon. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) So that's it for this time on the Freedom Seeker Chronicles with me, your host, Beth Kempton. I was in conversation with Nicola Moss, who's featured in my book, Freedom Seeker. You can find out more about Nicola at nicolamoss.co. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you'll take what you've heard and use it to inspire your own journey of freedom seeking. I'd love to know what resonated with you today and what bold moves you're making as a result. Please do share on social media. I'm at Beth Kempton on Instagram or at DoWhatYouLoveXX everywhere else. And be sure to check out my website, BethKempton.com for more tools and resources to support your adventures. If you haven't yet read my book, the full title is Freedom Seeker, Live More, Worry Less, Do What You Love, and it's published by Hay House. Treat yourself to a copy today. It might just change your life. So until next time, fly free, my friend. Fly free.